this evening's sermon text is from Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 5 verses 35 through 41. Hmm? Chapter 4, yeah, verses 35 through, through 41. This is the last passage of this chapter. This is God's holy and infallible word. Let's pay attention to it. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side and leave the crowd. They took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Why have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, from this word, we know that you are the Lord. You are not only the Lord, you are our Lord. And you have the authority and sovereignty over our lives. Let us obey you. Let us trust in you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So, this passage, we are very familiar. And I think the main theme is related to fear. There are many things to fear in our lives. We fear going to see a doctor because we fear hearing bad news. We fear doing hard things because we fear we fear doing it poorly. We fear being too close to people because we fear getting hurt. We fear sharing gospel because we fear being rejected, mocked, or offending others. We don't like this feeling, but fear seems to live with us. Why do we fear? Psychologists will tell us fear is a natural and bio, um, biological condition that we will experience, that we all experience. So it is not a matter of good or bad. But the Bible has a different view on fear. The first time that fear appears in the, in the Bible is right after Adam and Eve sinned. Genesis 3.10, Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. The love and fellowship Adam and Eve enjoyed before were lost due to their sin. And the feeling of fear is a kind of byproduct of that sin. What I mean is that when God created man, male and female, I believe they were fearless. 1 John 5.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear had to do with punishment. So Adam and Eve, 
had enjoyed the perfect love from God before they sinned. But that perfect love, which is only in God, has been separated from men after our first parents sinned. Therefore, all men are bound by fear, especially the fear of death after the fall. But the good news is that God, out of his mere good pleasure, delivered his people out of all fears, even the fear of death by Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2.12, uh, 2.15 tells us, God delivered all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. So dear brothers and sisters, do you know that you and I can be fearless because we already have God's perfect love? This perfect love is a gift from God, displayed by Christ's sacrifice and applied to us by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are enabled to say with the psalmist of 27, The Lord is my, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I, shall I be afraid? Now, I have told you this truth. But do you really believe so? And do you really have nothing to fear? If you're not quite sure, I hope you will be sure of the answer after tonight's passage. I'm going to speak three points from our text. First, the first point is, we are all enslaved by the fear of death. The second point is, the fear of death is overcome by Christ. And the third point is, fear no more. Know that Christ, know that Jesus is your Lord. So now we dive into the first point. The disciples were overcome by the fear of death. Chapter 4 is a, is a big sermon preached in the form of parables. Through these parables, Jesus spread the message of the kingdom of God. Although the, the meaning of the parables was hidden to some people, but his disciples had a privilege to hear Jesus explaining the parable to them. Our passage is a record of what happened after the sermon of that day. Jesus did not finish his preaching until evening. It was no doubt a long and tiring day, especially for Jesus, the solo preacher of the day. It should be a time of rest for Jesus and the disciples, but somehow Jesus decided to go to the other side of the lake. So he said, let us go across to the other side. So I want you to think on this by putting yourself in this picture. Disciples were also tired, aren't they? And it was evening, and I assumed it was dark, or was getting dark. But anyway, it is for sure that when they started off, it will be already dark. And the whole trip on the lake will take hours. So by the nature of our reason, I don't think it's a good idea to cross the lake in the dark after a busy day. So during my seminary life, Many friends have asked me to pick them up at the, at, at the airport. I love to do it. But sometimes the pickup time was after midnight. To be honest, for that time frame, even though I love to help, 
I would not volunteer to do that unless they ask me personally. The reason was simple. It is too dark and I'm too sleepy by the midnight. Though this, I think the disciples may feel the same way. After days work with the people, you know, managing people is not an easy thing. You can think of the, the, the guards at the concert. They are very busy. They really needed rest after that day's, that day's work. When Jesus told them to get across the lake, they might be wondering why. But the word of Jesus here was not like a discussion, like asking his disciples opinions on whether they should cross the lake then or took a rest. No, it was a clear decision. Let us go across to the lake. From this, we know that God does things beyond our understanding. Our best thoughts, idea, and intention may not match with what the Lord teaches in His Word. For instance, when we think of peace and comfort, we think of no pain, no hardships, and no conflict. But the peace and comfort God gives is through our following Jesus, which costs our everything. Mark 10, 12. When we think of love, we think of being nice, gentle, and positive words to, to people. But the love of scripture teaches starts with loving God. And from that love, we can love men and speak tr truth to men in love. But because of our sinful nature, we do not always see things as God sees. When faced with difficulties, we all have questions about why God doesn't do this or that. Why God doesn't answer my prayers. Why God doesn't take away my pains. Why God does not change my situation. Why God keeps me, keeps me in this hardship that long. Most of us would, would not say that loud. Because we fear how people will think of us. When they, hear, when they hear us say this. But we do often have such thoughts in our hearts. When the disciples heard Jesus, they obeyed without saying anything. So they left the crowd and took Jesus to the boat and started off. Everything seemed to be good so far. But then a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. It was a scary scene to watch and even to imagine. The darkness of the night adds more terror to the situation. Everything was dark. They did not know what direction the next waves might come from and, and which part of the boat would be hit by the waves. What was worse is that the boat was filled with water and was in danger of sinking. All the disciples some of them were experienced fishermen, felt desperate at that time. They were overtaken by the fear of death at that time. Can you feel that? Can you feel that with them? At that moment, what they needed was an immediate help from Jesus. But what we see is a great contrast between the scared disciples and the peaceful Christ. Jesus was in the back of the boat, still sleeping on his cushion. How could Jesus still be asleep while the boat was filled with water? 
and shaken by the waves. So some people say that because Jesus is the Son of God, He has no fear of the storm. That's why He could peacefully rest in that situation. Many people like that explanation because Jesus is honored as an almighty God, and the storm could not overcome Jesus. But I don't think that I don't think that the description of Jesus' sleep was to show us the deity of Jesus. It is true that Jesus was was not afraid of the storm, but should not the loud noises and the cold water make Jesus wake up from his sleep? So it is not a matter of fear, but a matter of interruption. The question is why Jesus was still sleeping in spite of such great interruption. I believe it shows us the weak humanity of Jesus. Jesus could feel tired after day's work, just as normal people do. And his deep sleep, even in such an environment, tells us that he was really drained in his all-day all teaching. He poured out himself for the salvation of his people, of the heroes. Even though the disciples had been with Jesus for a while and have heard his word and believed in him, they did not know Jesus as they should. Facing the dangerous storm, their faith in Christ was challenged. Ironically, they just heard all day preaching of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven, but they were slow to trust it. Being caught in this situation, their first reaction was to handle it by their own strength. When it didn't work, they made a complaint to Christ's impassiveness. They turned to Christ and said to Christ, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This is a rhetorical, this is a rhetorical question. It's, it is not that they do not know the answer, but at that moment, they were feeling like not cared. Out of that feeling, they showed their complaint, blame, disappointment, in the form of that question. So the question loaded with their complaint and blame. They were blinded by their feeling of fear from seeing the presence of Christ, who was with them in the midst of the storm. I want you to know that our feeling is not always right, just like the disciples feeling here. Although it is a true feeling, but that feeling needs to be checked and confirmed by the true facts. The disciples in our passage may even feel upset about Jesus. Because of Jesus' decision that everyone was caught in danger now. The feeling of the disciples might be as raging as the storm. But are we all like these disciples when facing temptation? We have heard the, we have heard the gospel, we have learned the gospel. We have believed in the gospel, and by the word of God, in the gospel, we know that Christ is the Son of God, who had equal power and glory with, with the Father. Then, what happens when we are faced with a temptation? We forget the goodness of God, and act upon on our feeling. Because of our, of our sinful nature, we cannot help but feel to sinful feeling 
to fear and to death. Therefore, the hope to get over temptation, seeing fear and death, cannot come from ourselves, but only from outside. And we know that, and we know what that hope is. It is Jesus Christ. So that leads to the second part. Fear is overcome by Jesus. When Jesus woke, he rebuilt the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. What Jesus just did to the storm showed that Jesus knew exactly what they needed and feared. He knew that the storm was going to kill them if he did not step in. So it is not like what the disciples thought of Jesus, that he does not care. Just because Jesus cared that he stopped the wind and sea, otherwise they would have already been devoured by the storm. The way Jesus handled the storm was also very interesting. Jesus rebuked the wind and the sea. Does the word rebuke sound strange to our ears in such a situation? Why Jesus rebuked the wind and the sea as if they were persons? There are, there are only several places in which Jesus rebukes, rebukes the gospel. Jesus, Jesus rebukes his disciples when they kept the children from coming to him. Jesus rebuked Peter for, for stopping him not to, uh, from going to Jerusalem. So Jesus rebuked his disciples because their actions became hindrance to the work of, uh, to work of God. Here, it is probably the storm is used uh, by Satan to hinder the work of Jesus, to cause the disciples to doubt, to fear, to complain, to sin in the end. So I believe that Jesus rebuking the storm is considered as a rebuke to Satan. So behind the natural storm, we see a supernatural battle between Jesus and Satan over the disciples. So I think the same thing happens when we are faced with temptations. It's not a natural thing. It's, it, it might not be as simple as we thought. Behind the temptations, there might be spiritual war. There's a battle between Satan and Christ over us. So Satan wants to kill the lives of the, of the disciples. And our temptations try to cause us to stumble. But Jesus is to save the lives of the disciples from the hand of the storm. In the same way, Christ is trying to save us from, from, from our temptation, just as uh, the, the, uh, the prayer of the Lord deliver us uh, from the evil one. And the command to the storm, peace be still, is Christ's absolute victory and sovereignty over the dark power behind it. The immediate cease of the storm is an instant deliverance of the disciples, but also the uh, but, but, but it also indicates the fall of Satan. So all of this sounds like our gospel, isn't it? The scripture tells us that by one man's disobedience, the many will make sinners. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, Romans 6, after the fall, we are affected by the guilt of 
Adam's first sin, the loss of the original righteousness, and the corruption of our whole man. Thus we are made under God's wrath and curse, alienated from the life of God, separated from the love of God, and subjected to a lifelong slavery to Satan due to the fear of death. How helpless and hopeless we are. We cannot help but wait to be delivered, to be devoured by Satan if Christ does not step in. However, out of God's mere good pleasure, from all eternity, he elected some, he elected some to everlasting life through the covenant made by the sacrifice of Jesus. This Jesus, being the eternal Son of God, became man like us. Going through the miseries of this life, being rejected by man, pouring his life for the salvation of the people. Although he was holy and perfect, he suffered hunger, thirst, exhaustion, rejection, betrayal, weeping, and even death in order to pay for our sin. Thus, sin and death were defeated, just as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 34 through 37. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He delivers us from the fear of death and the sting of sin. Therefore, brothers and, sisters, and brothers and sisters, when sin death has been conquered by Jesus, our fear has also been overcome in him. So this is good news to you and to all who are enslaved in fear. Christ is your only deliverer. Now we come to our last point. Therefore, Fear no more. Know that Jesus is your Lord. How can we not fear? But trust in Jesus alone. After Jesus overcame the storm, he, he asked his disciples this question. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Jesus pointed out to his disciples the true reason of fear. It is their unbelief in Him as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the King of the Kingdom of Heaven. The storm just revealed their faith in Jesus. Our fear is the best indicator of our faith. The more we trust in Jesus, the less we fear in our trials. There are many verses about God telling people not to fear, such as Abraham, Hagar, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon, the prophet, the apostles, and so on. And all these verses are coupled with promises of God. He is their Savior. He is their Deliverer. Therefore, God is calling us every day in His Word to put your trust in Him. The only way we can trust in Jesus more and more is by learning and studying His Word as faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. The word of God does not only produce our faith in Christ, it also increases our knowledge of Him. 
And the more knowledge of Christ, the more trust we have in Him. We see that we see in in our script in our uh, in our passage in our passage that the disciples came to know Jesus more after their deliverance from the storm. The last verse says they were filled with great fear and said to one another, "Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him?" Here we see that they were filled filled with great fear, but this fear is a different kind of fear. It is fear that is re- related to the knowledge of God, rather than punishment. It is the same fear that Proverbs, Proverbs 1, 7 mentions, the fear of the Lord. In here, it is the authority and greatness of Christ that makes the disciples realize that, Je- that this Jesus is more than what they had thought him to be. Although their question shows that they might not fully understand Jesus, as the Messiah, they at least began to realize it. As for us, we have the complete Bible telling, teaching us who Jesus is and we, what He has done for us. So, by the Word of God, we do not only know, we do not only know that Jesus is the Lord, Lord, but He's also my Lord and your Lord. Just as God reveals in His Word, in Psalms 46, verses 10 to 11, Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This sovereign Lord, who is our perfect love, will cast out all our fears when we trust in Him. So today and tonight, Christ is calling you to put your trust in His Word, in His promise, not in your feelings when you are in your temptation. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the Lord, and we know that not by our feeling, but by your sure word and promise and by your uh, by your deed and your sacrifice will build up our our faith in you through your holy spirit hear our prayers and use us and help us and we thank you for being with us and for be, for caring about us we give you glory and give you thanks in the name of Christ we pray amen now let's uh, stand and respond to God by singing